says this in Matthew 12 and verse 33. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. Anybody love when the Bible goes like Dr. Seuss on you? <laughs> like simple, just simple, straight up. Uh, and then it says, you brood of snakes. Jesus taking a turn. He's savage. He said, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, look at this. You must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. That's heavy. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Jumping to Matthew 15, verse 11, just to add a little bit of context, it says this. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. Now, typically, as a guest preacher, you know, uh, you, you find you're certain, and I'll travel around and have certain messages, everything like that, but I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor at heart, and what I want to see, I want to see the church move forward. So when God put this on my heart, this is more of a pastoral message today. And, and I could have gone completely pastoral with the title, but that's the one part that I, I didn't. I could have called it the power of your words or the weight of your words was another one that I thought of. But I just thought this was more fun. So here's my sermon title for you today. Watch your mouth. <laughs> uh, watch your mouth. Find your favorite neighbor and tell him, tell him my title. Come on, tell him, watch your mouth. Watch. <laughs> Come on, do it with a smile on your face. We in church, be kind about it. And if it is your spouse that is sitting next to you, only the wife is allowed to speak to the husband. Watch your Mouth. I promise you, this is going to edify you. This is going to build you. If you open up your ears and open up your heart, God's going to encourage you and your faith is going to be built today. Come on, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this house. I thank you for the pastors of this house. I pray you bless them immensely. I pray the church, this church has only seen the beginning of what's about to happen. I thank you for a stirring. I thank you for a faith. And I thank you that right now, God, we are leaning into your word teach us, move us, encourage us, build us in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, everybody said amen. Come on, shout amen. Amen, 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 amen. I want to start with a statement, and it's going to be a very simple statement, but it's going to be something that helps you as we unpack this. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. You're always moving in the, whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, whether you enjoy it or not, we all move to the rhythm of our thoughts. The decisions that we make aren't decisions, they're thoughts first. Decisions are thoughts in full-term maturity. So we've thought it before we did it. We thought it before we went there. So we got to understand, I'm not just after your words. We got to understand what your words are. Your words are those internal thoughts that you have that nobody's heard first. This is what it says in Proverbs 4. It says, above all, be careful what you think because your thoughts control your life. So all of a sudden, right off the top, we got to learn that it all starts by controlling our thought life. As a man thinks... 
so, so is he. That, that, that's who you become. That's where you go. That internal processing that you have of your thoughts and thoughts become words. And what I do know about this is oftentimes we can downplay the importance of words, but let me just tell you, words have such an importance and an implication on them. I know, I know sometimes we just, we shrug it off because, because we say words with ease, but we take them with difficulty. It's easier for us to release them than it is for us to receive them. And I don't want to hear anything bad about me, you know what I'm saying? But, but let me, let me tell you what I think about you. And, and so we, we have, we do struggle. Let's just, church, we can admit it. We, we struggle. Let me tell you, I'll show you some, i explain some implications of, of words. All right. So, so I was younger at the time. I wasn't fully developed. I didn't look as good as I did. I do now. And, and so when I was young and in church, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's always somebody, there's a girl that, you know, you like, and okay. Then you start flirting and you flirt by like lifting chairs and you flirt by like being a sign holder. You, you, you flirt by serving in the church. We're weird. And church like we can't just flirt normal we have to do it through serving and then we find their dms later i don't know but this is one of those situations where uh, you know I, I started talking and so eventually we had a conversation i thought she was on the same wavelength as me because i thought it was being reciprocated but man church girls have something to it's like a fine line between flirting and they're just being nice so we had this conversation and she said, hey, I, I, know, I know you like me, and I see you, though. I, I see, you're just a brother to me. I got friend-zoned. What are we talking about, right? Getting friend-zoned. Let me tell you, you can't tell me words don't hurt. Because those words just moved me from I think it's possible to I'm not in this thing. I'm not even in the race. I appreciate, I appreciate you too. Like, it's not what I wanted to hear. And words have a way of moving you. You didn't even know it. I just got friend zoned and I am now upset. Uh, in high school, in high school, I, I, I was very driven in high school and I, I wanted to do uh, big things. And I, I wanted to play college football and I've come from a football family. And so I would work out and I'd go so hard. And I, I, would, I, would, I was like, I just, all, all of a sudden I had this guy, I was a senior. He was a junior in high school. He was bigger than me. And I only accredited that to one thing, not because he worked harder or he has better genes. He took steroids. Let's just be real. Yeah, he, he taking PEDs. So I'm just sitting here and I'm talking to him and he would, he would begin to, to make fun of me because I was smaller than him. And he began to downgrade my dream because he knew I wanted to play college football. So he literally, we, we had one-on-one -on -one moments in the locker room where he'd pop past me. And I don't know what it was. Maybe he was just possessed by something, but he wanted to tell me what he thought about my dream. And he would tell me, you're never going to do it. You're too small. You're, and he would laugh. And now I, I get it. He was immature. You can do years later. But in the moment when I heard it, it hurt what I thought I could do. So now I'm sitting here and I'm starting to process my internal thoughts are becoming these words from, let's just call him steroid Steve. Let's just call. So, so steroid Steve. My internal thoughts have his tone now. 
They have his, his, it's a genre of talk. I know you listen to a genre of music, but I don't know if you know this. Every single one of you is surrounded by a genre of talk as well. And I began to find myself in an ecosystem of discouragement. And what it did is it killed the God dream on my life. I had a passion to walk in the purpose of God, but every time I wanted to walk in the purpose of God, I heard the voice of discouragement. And let me just tell you, discouragement is a gateway drug, which means this, it opens up to everything else. It opens up to depression. It opens up to the possibility of quitting what God called you to do. And it happened because you lived in an ecosystem of words that tore you down instead of built you up. And I found myself struggling to move forward because of what was said around me. But here's the thing. Nobody could change their surroundings except for me. I couldn't blame it on anybody else. I couldn't blame it on my pastor. I, could, I had to get out of it myself. See, some of you are so stuck in a genre right now. Be like, well, that's just where I go to work. But you don't have to inherit that around you. You don't have to have that digested in your soul. Just because you heard it doesn't mean it needs to take root. You are called by God. You are set apart. You're a prophet to the nations. Don't let the ecosystem of discouragement pull you down. That's not for you. That's not for you. Here's what I had to learn how to say. I had to learn how to say that word is not for me. I had to learn that. But the only way that I knew that that word wasn't for me was by knowing which word was for me. I think so many people don't know which one is actually for them. And if you don't know which word is for you, you'll accept any word that's spoken over you. But if you can walk around and say, hey, if that word doesn't line up with this word, then it's not my word. I can cancel that word because I've already accepted the real word of God. Come on, can I get a witness of somebody that understands you've been spoken over, you've been claimed, you have a purpose. There's a word on your life and if their words don't align with his word, I'm checking out. I don't have to accept it even if the person that said it is a good person and I've been friends with them for years and some of you are struggling with this because parents have said it, siblings have said it, family has said it, people that are important to you have said those things, but it doesn't matter the importance of their position in your life because that word, if it doesn't line up, it doesn't take root. If it doesn't line with the word you have already been, there is a better word. There's been a better word spoken over you. I do not live. We cannot live. We cannot afford to live in this culture in the world of other people's words. You will waste time trying to convince people to like you. That you were called to disrupt and you didn't know that. See, when you start walking in your purpose, it's going to disrupt the system, which is going to cause some people to say some things. They're not going to watch their mouth, but you do need to watch yours. No, you don't return vengeance with vengeance. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Take your hands off so God can put his hands on. And don't live in that world. That is not your word. And if those words did not make you, do not let them break you. You've been made by the breath of God.
God. Out of only one mouth that he breathed the breath into our souls and we are on borrowed oxygen today. You need to realize that there was only one mouth that created every single one of us. So don't let anybody else's deter you. No, you're going to raise those kids how you know you're supposed to raise those kids. Ah, oh, well, you know what they said, my marriage isn't. No, if that does not line up with the word of God and how it should be done in my marriage, then there's always hope in my marriage. You can call it done, but God calls it sleeping. It's dormant. I believe that God can resurrect anything. Words are so significant. Words can start wars and have started wars. They can also end them. Words can create love, and it can also stop love. I mean, we, we, we've seen how reality shows get messy. How do they get messy? I mean, they, they messy from the start. I feel like it's the same blueprint for every reality dating TV show. It's like, hey, why don't you date 27 people and see which one? And, and, and what happens? The moment someone says these three magical words, I love you. I just love you for you. I love you for who you are. You were just in a hot tub with three other girls. Like, but those words, and you can't tell me those words, those words, what, what did it do? It broke something in their heart and it drew them. And it could create an atmosphere now of love. It can create an attachment, but it can also end it. Hey, it's over. It's done. I'm done. I'm, I, I, don't, I don't like you. I like, so these are the power words. And I know sometimes we, we just think about like, ah, it's just, it's not that important what comes. And this is what the Bible is saying, that literally our life goes in the direction of our words. Like, like we are pointed in the direction of our words. Look at this in James 3, 3 through 5. When we bridle horses, we put bits in their mouths to lead them wherever we want. We can control their whole bodies. It says this, consider ships, they're so large that strong winds are needed to drive them. But pilots direct their ships wherever they want with a little rudder. In the same way, even though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts wildly. What it's saying is that it doesn't take much. It takes a little hook to literally turn the body of a giant horse. Something small, something that you couldn't even see. You could see the entirety of the horse. You could see how strong it is. You can see it's majestic, it's main. You can see everything about it from a distance. But you don't know why it's going in that direction because if you get closer, there's something stuck in its mouth that controls where, it doesn't matter how strong it is. It doesn't matter how much it's worked its spirit out. It doesn't matter, I'm gonna go with me on the illustration. It doesn't matter how many church services the horse has been to. It doesn't matter how good it looks on the gram. It doesn't matter how, how, how firm it looks in its faith. All that matters is what hook is in it. Is there a hook? Because that's where the horse goes. The horse goes where the hook leads it. Hey, let me submit to you what the most important part of a vehicle. What's, 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 is, it, is it an engine? 
Because if you think about an engine, I mean, you got no car. You ain't going anywhere. You just, you just got, you got a box is what you got. No engine. Okay, tires, tires. Because you could have everything else. And then you have, you know, you, we all have neighbors who have their cars up on cinder blocks. You know what I'm saying? And, and so, so you got that whole situation. But, but I, I, would, I would submit to you that the most important part of a car is a steering wheel. Why? Because everything else that turns on and it works and, and, and because a car without an engine can't go anywhere, so it can't hurt anything. Same thing, a car without tires can't go anywhere, so it can't hurt anything. The only thing that can hurt something, so I'm wondering, is a car that can drive, that can turn on, but it cannot steer. And here's what I've known, that the mouth is our steering wheel to our life. Yes, it might not be the engine, it might not be everything else, but it is something to consider. And here's the problem is so many of us haven't realized that we've allowed the devil's fingerprints all over our steering wheel. And we have believed lies for so many years. And we have believed things that he's spoken over us. And he has actually used us sometimes as a puppet. And I know we've asked for forgiveness during those moments. But he has sometimes allowed us to hurt people with the very thing we were supposed to build people with. Your words were never meant to break them down. But they were meant to build each other up. That's why this place is called Union Church. Because we have a unity in the church. And the devil doesn't mind us playing church, but he does wake up when a church is unified and when a church can get on the same page and start speaking life and saying, I see what God sees in you. I know we might not be besties, but I see the purpose of God in you. I wish we had some friends that were around us that could change the direction simply because you know your words can change somebody's entire day. And somebody that might be being pulled because of the bit in their mouth, steered in the wrong direction, the rudder on the ship, smallest part, that's our tongue. And if we don't learn self-control, because I know you, you, you can make your body look good because you have self-control and self-discipline, but you're still going in the direction of your mouth. Now, Let's break this down because I don't want to get to a place where you think it means I'm just going to say it and I get it. This isn't say it, get it. That's a part of the process is learning to speak things. It's, you know, it's they, what they call, they say, they call it name it, claim it. It's not, it's not necessarily name it, claim it. Here, here's what it is. Name it, claim it might be the beginning stages of what we need to learn how to do. It's like, okay, we need to name it, claim it, but there's another step, and I want to make sure that I teach you well this morning, because you have a great preacher and a great teacher every single week at Pastor Stephen, so I want to make sure that we are theologically on this morning. Watch this. So, okay, it's not just name it, claim it, because if it was name it, claim it, you won't catch me at a Mercedes dealership after this. <laughs> that one's mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got my anointing oil, sir. I'm a... I just claimed it. What you gonna do? Because I claimed. He's gonna be like, okay, because, you know, car dealers, they'll, they'll do anything. So they'll let you do it. And then they'll say, come on inside. And that's, this is where it begins because we can name it, claim it, but we don't realize when we gotta go sit down now and we sit at a table where he slides a little sheet of paper over. He said, oh yeah, by the way, the thing that you named and the thing that you claimed, you now have to pay. 
So it's not name it, claim it, it's name it, pay it. I don't think we understand that there's a price to everything that we speak. There is a price to everything that we say. See, I think so many people want to be great, but they don't realize that comes with a price. I, I want you to speak the purpose of God, but if you want to be like Jesus, we're going to have to be able to go through some things where people turn their back on us like they did on Jesus. Jesus was crucified. We're going to have to walk through some persecution. There's going to be a price to pay. I can't just say that's mine because if you pray for patience, you're going to get a problem that tests you in your patience. So it's not name it, I get it. If you, I'm going to name that joy. That joy is mine. Well, you're going to have someone test your last nerve before you realize that joy was not from happenstance. It was from a heavenly alignment. And I got to realize that if I name it, I'm going to have a price to pay. But I got to look also at the price he paid and realize he already bought it for me. So I got to just persevere. I just got to learn to endure. I just got to learn to keep going. I can't quit because here's what I've learned. If you don't quit, you'll find yourself on the winning side every single time. So I got to learn to name it. But then I got to take a step back and realize, okay, there's some things. You can't just say I'm a six-pack Jesus. But you won't open the front door of the gym? Uh -huh. You can name it, but now you have to pay. Here's, here's, what, here's, here's what it is. Your words put a demand on your disciplines. Your words don't automatically produce an outcome. So I don't want you walking around just blurting good things. I do want that, but I want you to also realize that your words about faces you towards your disciplines. And so, okay, I, I, I want to get in shape. Not a bad thing to do, right? Or I want to read the Bible more. I want to pray more. Well, what does that do? Just because you have wishful speaking doesn't mean you're going to have an automatic result. What it means is I am doing a good thing, though. Here's what I'm doing. I'm turning in the right direction. I want to read the Bible. I want to get in shape, whatever it is. But now my disciplines are put on trial against what I just said. Can my disciplines line up now with what I just spoke? I want to read the Bible more, but now am I willing to go through the disciplined nature of changing my schedule, waking up a little earlier, getting a heart for God, catching fire again, realizing what I'm supposed to be doing in this life. Okay, my disciplines are now on trial. So I do want you to learn to speak things, and to say things, but realize it's all gonna pay a price through your disciplines. But on the other side of all of that, I'm telling you something. There is a beautiful outcome for those that learn to speak it, to walk it. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It, no point does it say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and I feel like stopping. At no point. There was an admission with the words, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But so many people stop there with their words. Hey, what's going on? I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Finish the verse. I will fear no evil. So finish it then. Finish it. Don't, don't have your words 
become your truth because you only said a half truth. No, speak the full word. I will fear no. Yeah, I know what I'm in, but I know where I'm going. I know what I'm facing, but I know that I'll be faithful and keep going because he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it. Our words are revealing. Our words are revealing. They reveal us. Uh, You know, when people say, I didn't mean to say that, I'm like, nope, yeah, you did. (laughs) Yeah, you did. I, I, now, I, I won't hold on forgiveness against you because you said it, but you meant it. Because you would never say what's not already in the well of your soul. It was already festering. It was already there. I'm glad you said it. Maybe it makes you feel better. But again, we have to watch our mouth in this way because these words, we, we, have, a, we have an epidemic of bad talk in the church. Like, like, like during the church service, we good. You know what I'm saying? Like, because it's, it's a worship team. It's too loud to talk to our neighbor. And then there's a preacher up here and he's doing all the talking. But when we have a chance, we will divulge. And we will go to places and spaces we shouldn't go. Can, can I read a scripture this morning? I'm not, I am asking permission. I will skip it if you don't feel like it. But can I read a scripture this morning that when I read it, sometimes it's like, uh, it's, it's hard to digest, but it's so good. Are you, are you sure? Are you sure? Okay. All right. Hopefully I'll get invited back. All right. James one twenty six. I might just have you guys read on the screen. I don't know what to do with this, but it is the Bible. And if it's in the Bible, we should lean into it. Look at this. Look at this. Take this with an open heart. Take this with an open heart. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, You are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. I'm going to pray and we'll be dismissed. Um, (laughs) How hardcore is James? James must have had a bad day. Like, he's like, I am not feeling it right now. My fellow disciples are going to love this one. Like, maybe he felt like he was being talked about. and, And if we can call a spade a spade, there's gossip everywhere. And if we don't control it, we're going to think that that's the right thing to do. But that doesn't edify the body. That doesn't build the church. In fact, that's the enemy's plan. is to start to get in and weave himself into the fabric of our conversations that we might tear somebody else down because we don't see them as a child of God. We see them a child of their mistake or a child of that issue or their, uh, you would, or child. You know what I'm saying? Like whatever it is, we are not seeing them like God sees them. So we feel like we have, I can't believe it. We have the authority to say something towards that. And so it's not something I want to stay long on, but it is something that we need to control because what good is it to speak uh, of men and angels? Let me say it like this. What good is it? to speak in tongues, but gossip in English. What good? (laughs) Y'all are fun, man. And I want to encourage you in this way. It doesn't do us any good by participating. It doesn't do us any good when we could use our words to literally help someone find their purpose, but yet we're using them to distract them? Let me just encourage you, get out of the comment sections. 
We don't need to be in there. You know what's a good, it's cathartic. You know what it is? Type out the comment and then like almost send it. Or even do this, type out the comment, put your phone on airplane mode and send it because it won't send. And it'll just feel good pressing send and then shut your phone off because it won't send it. It's on airplane mode. And what you gotta understand, learn different ways other than saying it. Because if you feel like you need to release it to them, you haven't released it to God yet. So here, I'll tell you this, say it to him first. Go to God first. God first. They don't need to hear what you think. God wants to know your heart and he'll correct us. He'll bring us in. He'll love us just as we are. He'll build us. And I want to encourage you, go to the right place with what you're struggling with today. I, I got to move. I, I got to move. So you got to understand your words shape your world. Your words shape your world. In the beginning was the word, was the word, the logos. I mean, logos. So in the beginning was the word. It's amazing that they use the word, word, and it actually literally means word. So Jesus is now likened to word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, John 1. So now we go to the creation narrative. When God's looking around, he didn't will the earth into existence. He didn't have good intentions for the earth, and it came about. He spoke it. He said, let there be, let there be, let there be. You live in a world shaped by words. You exist. Creation listens to that voice. Everything listens to that voice. And he's teaching us now a lesson. He said, I said, let there be everything that you see. I, I spoke it there. And he's also reminding us that everything that you see, you spoke it there. You said, let it be. Let it be. Or, hey, let there be life in this home. Let there be resurrection power in my body over this sickness. And even when you don't feel it, because what you have to learn, that your feelings are going to start following your words, not the other way around. My words don't need to follow how I feel. I need to speak it and have my feelings align with what I said. I don't feel like I'm going to be healed, but I'm going to speak it because if I've learned anything from God, I can speak into a dark space. I can speak into a void. I can speak to where there was previously nothing happening, but if I get the power of God and the power of his word in that space, anything can happen. There's power in that voice. See, the speed of authority moves at the speed of your mouth. So when people walk around saying, God is good, I love those kind of people. Here's why, here's why, here's why, here's why. It's not that life is good, but what they're doing, they're not denying their current reality, but they are admitting there's an alternate truth. I'm not denying what I'm going through, but I am admitting to you there is an alternate truth that I'm walking in. I'm walking in a different realm. I'm walking with heaven on earth. I'm walking with healing capabilities. I'm, I'm walking in the power of an almighty who can say one word and my heart can be changed. He can say one word and a Red Sea splits. He can say one word and a mountain moves. I gotta know the voice that I got on my side and if I get that voice out I promise you there's going to be some demons that run 
And if you have the audacity to say it, God has the ability to do it. If you have the audacity to pray it, God has the ability to do it. I know it looks impossible, but God can do it. The power of his voice can take nothing and make something. And that voice is inside of you today. So watch your mouth, because here's why. Because you're going to end up watching your mouth. You watch it play out. I remember just a couple of years ago, my dad had a cardiac arrest and uh, should have died in 2019. And doctors all said he was going to die. There was no positive report. Again, we're faith-filled people, born and raised in church. And I began to go in there, me and my sisters, we began to pray over him. He's got every life support machine hooked up to him. He has basically, they said, 0% chance. And even if he opens his eyes, he's going to be brain dead. He was on the ground too long. And so we had no real hope, but we did have a prayer. And so we kept going in there. We just kept singing and praying over him and just believing that God was going to do some things. And we didn't think he could hear us because he's hooked up to everything. There's a machine breathing for him. There's a machine pumping his heart for him. There's a machine on his dialysis, a whole thing. Everything's just functioning for him. He has no life in his body, but we do have a hope. So we just kept walking in. And we began to hear of other nurses that were in. Now, this isn't like highly Christian areas. We were just in this part in California, this hospital in California. And so the nurse were like, what in the world? So we started to hear them talking about what we were doing. They're like, I can't believe. We started to hear their gossip. I can't believe that they're singing over them. I can't believe, what are they doing? He's lifeless. He's hopeless. They just need to say their goodbyes and move on. We began to hear that. And so I began to go to the head nurse and I said, hey, can we have different nurses? Because I, I, I appreciate what they do. And I appreciate the science and I appreciate the diagnosis. I appreciate how they see things, but we don't line up. I live in an alternate reality. I, I know, I know what I see, but I know who I know. And I can't allow that to be spoken in this ecosystem, in this environment. And when I began to tell you, we walked in there, began to pray over him and speak over him. And here's what I heard. The head nurse came in. He was admitted on Monday. Head nurse came in on Thursday. He said, it looked like nothing was improving. He said, hey, every time you guys speak, every time you pray and every time you sing, I want you to know something. We're like, what, 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 what? They said, every time you do it, his vital signs go up. So every time we prayed and we began to do it 24 hours, we put a rotation on, we put a speaker in the room and I said, there's not going to be an ill word. We're going to create an environment for a miracle because I know if we say it, God has the audacity to do it and I'm going to praise him anyways because that's a good place to put a praise on It's in the middle. Let me tell you, by day seven, my dad woke up fully healed in the name I don't think he would have come back to life with good intentions I don't think he would have come back to life with a stretched hand but you got to enter into some places where it looks dark where it looks dead and say I'm gonna pray anyways I'm gonna press anyways I'm gonna put a praise on this moment and watch it come back to life. 
Watch your mouth because you're going to watch it. There's resurrection power in your mouth if you learn to say it. I feel Jesus in here. I got got to close this somehow because there's another service and my clock is in the red, but... I'll read you one more scripture. I'm going to pray for you. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joy and marriage, exposes the innermost thoughts and desires. Okay, so real quick, I got to do this fast. Greek word for, for, for double edge is this word dystomos. Dystomos means two mouths. So if we know that the Bible is a double-edged sword and nothing will stop a double-edged sword and we believe it's going to cut between bone and marrow, it's going to cut down the enemy and everything like that. But we also see that double-edged means two mouths. We also learn in the Bible that everything in Scripture is God-breathed. That's one mouth. So where's the second mouth? The Word of God is not powerful until it becomes your Word. It's fine sitting on your shelf. It's fine being closed. It's fine seeing it on social media. It's another thing when it comes out of your mouth. I'm telling you, then every demon trembles. Then the gates of hell can be pushed back. Then the impossibilities become possible simply because we're the second mouth. And that's exactly what David did when he walked up and he saw a giant. And first Samuel, he said, yeah, you come against me with a spear and a javelin. You have weapons in your hands. But let me just tell you one thing. You got a weapon, but look what he says. But I come against you in the name. That's not a fair fight. You got a javelin, but I got a name. Because he lived in an alternate truth. He said, you got a weapon, but I got a word. And anything that you do, no weapon formed against me will prosper. And if you got the name of Jesus in your mouth, you got everything you need. Speak the name of Jesus over your kids. Speak the name of Jesus over your marriage. You got a weapon, devil, but I got a word. And I've overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the and the word of your testimony. You're an overcomer this morning. You're the head, not the tail. You're above, not beneath. You're first, not last, because God has chosen you to be a prophet that speaks. I gotta pray over you, Jesus. Help us today to speak your word. Come on, lift your hands wherever you're at. Lift your hands. Let us speak your word. We're the second mouth. God, that when we speak it, we know miracles can happen. Mountains are moved. Things are changed. I thank you that right now, what used to be a void, what used to be a dark space, God, we're speaking life. I speak life to your church. I speak encouragement. I speak faith. I speak healing. I thank you that right now, your miracle working power is going to work through us, and we're going to say it. We're going to say God is good. We're going to say you're still We're going to believe you at your word. And Jesus, if there's anybody under the sound of my voice that needs to receive you as the Lord and Savior, God, in their heart right now, may they say yes. 
Because I know we can know you as Savior, but to know you as Lord, that means you saved us, but to know you as Lord means you lead us. So God, make there be, may there be a yes, a submission today. And we pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. 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 Bless you. Bless you.